Hey, this is Bob Agfredosi. I'm from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and you're listening to Space But Messier. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Spacebook Messier podcast. I'm Tony. And this is Flo. And we are so excited to be back, especially after last week's episode with our interview with Bill Nye the Science Guy. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to the last episode. It was awesome. We clearly got him talking about something that he loves, and it was it was pretty rad. It was so rad. Um, but meeting him in general was pretty cool, too, I have yeah. to say. He's really nice. He is very nice. But you all heard this last episode. Mm-hmm. This time, this episode, we are talking about something really, really insane, and it does branch off of our Yuri's Night that we had. I know that we had a ton of interviews last week. We also had another interview that we didn't share with you, and that's with the man that you just heard his voice. Half of you may be wondering, who is this guy? The long name. The other half of you may know exactly who I'm talking about, and he is the Mohawk guy from the 7 Minutes of Terror, that JPL video about the reaction in Mission Control when they landed on Mars. We will get to his interview in a bit, but first, let's jump into the news. All right. We're going to start off with um, an opportunity for anyone and everyone. Who wants to be an astronaut? I would like to be an astronaut. Well, great news, Tony. There's an app for that. Um, So there's an app created by a Finnish startup named Space Nation. They have this app called Space Nation Navigator, um, available only on Android right now. But they're making an iOS app. Yes. I'm waiting for it. I'm so excited because it includes boot camp style fitness workouts, exams, and even a story-based adventure element. So they quote... These are designed to test and train not just users' physical abilities, but also their cognitive and social skills, such as problem solving or managing a crisis, end quote. As an astronaut in training, you can collect points and reach increasingly difficult levels with the potential of winning prizes at certain stages of the program. So after 12 weeks, after three 12-week cycles, somewhere around 100 trainees from all over the world are going to be selected to participate in a real-life training camp. I'm doing it. Are you going to make it? I'm going to buy an Android phone (laughs) right now. (laughs) Just so you can compete? Just kidding. That's not how we're using your Patreon money. (laughs) I swear. Just kidding. So they're going to send 100 trainees from all over the world, and then of those selected, 12 will be invited to participate in a more intensive 10-week astronaut training camp in Iceland, which will be filmed and broadcast for my personal entertainment. And then the winner will get a free trip to the Cosmos. To where? We don't know. But to the Cosmos, Yes. Okay, um, stop this podcast and sign up immediately. Uh, For those of you who didn't hear or forgot, it is the Space Nation Navigator app. When we found out about this, we immediately, first news story, this is so exciting. So cool. And even if you're too afraid to go to space, if you're afraid of heights, if you're afraid of... Gravity? (laughs) Gravity. Oh, the dark. Yeah, I was trying to think, what's the word with no light? Mm -hmm. That's dark. Um, I've been having brain fog recently. I think it's um, sympathy brain fog. So if I just pause in the middle of this episode, you'll know why. My wife's pregnant. Once again, it's sympathy brain fog. But for those of you like me who are afraid of space, even though we love it, you can pretend to be an astronaut with this as well. Incredible app. It's like... My favorite movie and the classic Rocket Man. Interstellar. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Rocket Man. Right. <laughs> of course. 
All right, well, next in the news, congratulations to Rocket Lab and welcome to the space race. Rocket Lab has completed two successful test launches of its Electron rocket and has a plan to launch once a month by the end of the year. The Electron rocket can carry 150 kilograms and only costs about $5 million. While SpaceX's Falcon 9 launch, it can launch 22,000, almost 23,000 kilograms, which is like almost double. No, it's not. <laughs> Isn't it 10 times? I'm bad at 100. Oh, yeah. Kilograms and I'm grams? I'm really bad at math. Wait, no. No, that's like 1,000, 100 times? No, less. That's 1.500. That's 150 times. No, it's 150 kilograms versus just 22,000 kilograms. Yeah, but I think I think 150 times 150 is 22,500. But they're both kilograms. I know. Are we going to keep this in? Because they're going to think Wait, it's hold so on. stupid. We're well. doing this. Hold on. If we do 150 times 150, boom, 22,500. Yeah. Yeah. I was imagining the... We're definitely keeping that in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I read 150 kilograms, I just focused on the 150K and uh, so that it was 150,000. And I was like, how are we comparing 150,000 to just 22,000? That's what it. that was. Well, if you mm. have 150 and you need two more zeros, then we're going to multiply by 100. We sound so stupid. But then that would be 15,000. And 22,000 is like seven, which is like half of 150. Mm-hmm. Of 15, so you add the 150. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not following anymore. Okay, we you. may cut this out just for you guys. <laughs> um, so, yes, it, it can hold way less than SpaceX's Falcon 9, but it's not trying to do the same thing that Falcon 9 is. So Rocket Lab will revolutionize the small satellite rocket industry. And while SpaceX is doing that, they are taking small satellites up, they're only doing that... Well, people are hiring them because they're the only ones that are cost-efficient enough to take all of their loads up. So Rocket Lab's doing a great thing. Founder Peter Beck says, But now the payoff will come with no other launch providers anywhere close. The remote Mahia site in New Zealand has no range issues, and the company has a license to launch as frequently as every 72 hours for the next 30 years. This is absolutely critical for our business strategy. Every 72 hours, a new rocket in space. Unreal. The only problem is, which is why we're big fans of SpaceX, is that they're reusable. Yeah. And so these rockets, if you launch a rocket every 72 hours and it just stays in space as junk, it's going to add to the problem. But congratulations, Rocket Lab. We wish you the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that wraps up the news for the week. As we told you earlier, we got to interview Bobak Ferdozi at Yuri's Night. So let's check out what he said. So I work on a couple things. Uh, I just rolled off a mission to Europa called Clipper. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I'm really excited about, honestly. Looking for habitability as the first step for looking for life in our solar system. I think that's it's an exciting time to be doing that. And then I work on an Earth mission with India um, to, to, to look at our environment and the changes on Earth. Um, and that's really exciting. It's really It feels good to be kind of giving back in a way, like to look at our own planet and see how we can do things better. If you can't tell, or if you have not guessed, yes, our ears are still ringing from that night. That music (laughs) was so loud. As you could tell from last episode, the other interviews took place before the dance party started. This one was right at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. It was was bumping in there. It really was. But what he said he was doing with 
um, India, working with India on really giving back and actually taking care of our own planet. That is something that I am really, really passionate about. It, it's really hard to focus on going to Mars when there's so many issues here, like a changing climate and carbon emissions and so many other things. So we really do appreciate that. And there is an upcoming episode all about that type of science. But the first thing he said is our priority. Flo, what are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk about NASA's newest and most exciting mission. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. The trip to Europa. Europa. So first we're going to give a little bit of background. So where there's water, there's life. Fact. About 71% of Earth's surface is covered by water, and with over 326 million trillion gallons of water on Earth, our oceans contain about 96.5% of all of the planet's water. But less than 3% of all water on Earth is actually okay to drink. The question is, are we the only planet like this? Billions of years ago, Venus may have been the first planet in our solar system with an ocean. Spoiler, the answer is no, we're not alone. <laughs> Venus doesn't have a strong global magnetic field like Earth does, um, it, which it actually helps protect us and our atmosphere, and a runaway greenhouse effect raised temperatures enough to boil off all of the water on Venus which was carried into space by solar wind. I think we've mentioned this before, but the runaway greenhouse effect is something that we talk about when we talk about climate change. Now, for those of you who haven't heard, the climate is changing. If you, if you think about our atmosphere, kind of like the windshield of your car, you know, when you park your car at the beach or, geez, anywhere in Southern California, all times of the year, for more than an hour, then you come back and it's extremely hot. And that's because the windshield acts kind of like our ozone layer. And when light and heat comes in, it can easily come in, but getting out is the hard part. And so when Earth, when we emit a ton of carbon into our atmosphere, it makes it so that the light can come in, but the heat cannot escape. And so this is heating up our atmosphere. It's heating up our entire climate. And this is why you're seeing news stories or not seeing them of glaciers melting everywhere and ocean levels rising and everything like that. So if we continue on this path and do absolutely nothing, we can actually turn out like Venus. Granted, that would be millions of years in the future, but on Venus, my guess is that you would die very, very quickly. Um, it, is a not, it is not habitable whatsoever, and that's kind of where we're headed if we do nothing, which is pretty scary. But that's not the focus. Venus may have had water. Yeah, and another planet that experience some change. Mars used to be more Earth-like. It had a thick atmosphere and plenty of water and oceans as big as ours. But then, billions of years ago, it um, lost its protective magnetic field, leaving it vulnerable to solar wind. And scientists estimate that Mars has lost approximately 87% of the water it had all that time ago. Now, that's really cool to hear because 87% is a lot of water lost. But if it had oceans as big as ours, then that means it still has like 13% of the, that water somewhere. Mm. It's not enough for a whole world, but Elon Musk wants to colonize. He wants to colonize. Yeah, that's crazy. And he wants to make that. He wants to turn the climate around and make Mars more Earth-like again. It's going to happen. It's going to be Tony a thing. Stark. But for those of you who are wondering, we said it a couple of times, solar winds, they happen when they come from the sun and they happen when the corona, yes, that's where the beer got its name, um, the, the sun's outer layer, it reaches temperatures of up to 2 million degrees Fahrenheit. And at this level, the sun's gravity can't hold on to the rapidly moving particles and it streams away from the star. Now, if the material carried by the solar wind reaches a planet's surface like Earth, its radiation would do severe damage to any life that might exist. Hence, the atmosphere is being swept away. 
Now, Earth's magnetic field serves as a shield, and it redirects the material around the planet so that it streams beyond it. So if you if you actually haven't seen this, this is really, really cool. Um, go online and Google Earth's magnetic field, and there will be all these artist concepts of what it would look like. And it's basically like if you had a ball or a sphere and you laid a blanket over it or like a, a tissue almost, and then had the point where the tissue is most on the ball, that is always facing the sun. So like the solar wind coming from the sun actually like ripples our, it bends our um, magnetic field in a really cool way. Yeah. So even today, Earth isn't the only ocean world in our solar system. Jupiter's moons, Ganymede, which is the largest moon in our solar system, and Callisto have water. Um, Saturn's moons, Enceladus, Titan, and Mimas have water, and Neptune's moon, Triton, might possibly have water, as well as the dwarf planet Pluto. Pluto. Did, did you just call it a dwarf planet? I had to. You did. I learned too well. <laughs> um, yes, and so all of those, now they're not all liquid water. Most of it is ice. Ice, yeah. But still, Enceladus, Saturn's moon, it's, there's definitely liquid water there. In fact, the Cassini probe flew through it before it met its fiery end diving into Saturn's atmosphere oh, this no. year. No, it was exciting. They <laughs> called it Cassini's finale. It was That mission ran for so long. Anyway, all of these planets and moons being said, there's one that stands out above all the rest, enough so that NASA is sending a spacecraft there in the 2020s. And this is Jupiter's moon Europa. Just as Bobak said... And it's soon to be joined by NASA's Europa Clipper. Now, a clipper is what they used to call these ships that would, like, trade, or they'd they'd ship teas and things across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, And they were, like, these three-sailed ships that were super, super fast. And it was, I think, the name of a a song that I played in band in eighth grade with Flo's older sister called The Legend of the Yankee Clipper. Fun fact. I have known Tony for, like, two years, but for the past... 12 years of my life, I have had a picture of him hanging in my guest room because he was in band with my sister and we didn't realize it until I was like 19 and started working with him at church. (laughs) Yes. Well, I've been keeping an eye on you. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrifying. Yeah, that's terrifying. No, no. It's more like those... Nope, that means I would be dead. Like a Dumbledore kind of like, oh, I've been waiting for the right moment. Then I would be dead, which is also bad. Um, But yes, Europa is our focus. It's currently thought to be the most likely place in our solar system to find life. And you might ask why, but if you've been listening for the past 17 minutes, then you may think... Maybe it's water. Yeah. So scientists think that below its icy surface, there lies an extremely salty ocean. The ultimate aim of the Europa Clipper is to determine if Europa is habitable, possessing all three of the ingredients necessary for life, which are liquid water, chemical ingredients, and energy sources. 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 Energy sources sufficient to enable biology. However, because of the pushing and pulling effects that Jupiter's gravity has on Europa's interior, it's like a hotbed of radiation, meaning it may be extremely dangerous for spacecraft to remain there for too, too long, let alone humans staying there for a significant amount of time. Yes. So that struggle that we talked about a couple episodes ago in our Mars part two about actually going to Mars, one of the problems is, is that there's too much radiation. And we just told you solar wind is very similar to that, that our atmosphere, our magnetosphere rather, protects us from this radiation. So when you go out into empty space, there's like nothing protecting you. However, the radiation around Europa is even more than empty space because of this tugging, this pushing and pulling of the gravity of Jupiter. Um, It actually changes and heightens 
the radiation from that planet. And so due to this radiation, the Europa, Europa Clipper won't actually orbit Europa itself. So I know that we're sending it to Europa, we're calling it the Europa Clipper, but it's actually going to orbit Jupiter, and it's going to pass really, really close to Europa every two weeks, and the mission is set to do this about 45 times, and it's going to range from 1,700 miles to 16 miles above the surface. So Claudia Alexander, she's the project manager for the Galileo mission. She says to think of it as like running through sprinklers as a kid. Uh, So if you imagine the water as radiation... Uh, As a kid, you would start from afar and then run through and then leave really quickly only to come back around for another run. (laughs) That's so so sweet. Isn't that awesome? So that's how what we're going to do with the spacecraft. So it's going to orbit around Jupiter, uh, just like Juno is. Juno is actually going through a different orbit. However, this one's going to be really, really cool. And we also had the Cassini spacecraft. It orbited around Saturn, and it just visited the other moons like Enceladus and, and things like that. Uh, but during each flyby, the Clipper will actually image Europa's icy surface. It'll find out what it's made of and figure out what's inside the huge icy shell. Nice. So yeah. if there's multiple moons and things that have water, why why Europa? Why go there? Well, okay. So Europa has been fascinating to scientists for a really, really long time. Now, Europa and Enceladus are kind of similar in the fact that um, six years ago, yeah, 2012, uh, NASA's Hubble Space Telescope observed water vapor above the solar polar region of Europa, which means basically... Um, it provided evidence for these water plumes. It's like a geyser that shoots out of the planet. And Enceladus has these plumes as well. In fact, the Cassini spacecraft, when it was orbiting Saturn, it actually got close enough to Enceladus to pass through these plumes. And we learned that it was like full of hydrogen, which is technically like a possible food for microbes. So there could totally be life on Enceladus. But we also saw that there was a possibility for these plumes to be on Europa. And if these plumes actually exist, they will confirm that there's an ocean below the surface, which we call a subsurface ocean. And flying through the plumes will allow us to learn about its chemical makeup. And, of course, the reason why we do any of this is because that burning question, the question that scientists and theologians even have been asking for hundreds of years, which is, are we alone? We sure sounded alone for a second. (laughs) Flo and I just gazed into each other's eyes, I think like understanding the gravity of that question. I really was just thinking of it. Are we alone in the universe? What do you, okay, without any, without thinking about anything that you've heard or like the Drake equation or anything like that, what do you think? I feel like there probably is. I feel like there has to be. You know, like, it can't just be us. And I don't think, maybe not other, like, humans. Like, intelligent life? Yeah. I don't know if at the same level of capacity or intelligence, but I feel like God would create something else super far away for us to find billions of years later, just to be like, hey, isn't that cool? <laughs> See, I'd love to think that that is correct. I, if there's life out there, I would be so excited to find it. Mm-hmm. However... I just, I don't know. I'm an, like an evidence-proof type of person. Mm-hmm. And the only thing even remotely close to us that we've been able to measure has been the possibility for microbial life, which we haven't even found yet. 
and I don't know, I, I feel like if there was intelligent life, like a spacefaring species, are you one of those like know. they would have found us first? No, I feel like they would observe us because if we found a a civilization that hasn't left their planet yet, like with humans, yeah, we would not go. I don't think we would go straight to them. We would observe them for a while to make sure that they weren't hostile. But that's the thing. If somebody we was look observed, really hostile, yeah, we are we, really hostile. We are like if somebody was watching us right now, they <laughs> they're, they're getting all of our radio emissions. Everything that we put on a radio signal, they would get. Of course, they don't speak our language, but if they're brilliant enough to be a spacefaring citizen. Uh, species, civilization, then they're going to be brilliant enough to figure out what we're saying. And so I would not want to come to Earth if I was them. That's just me. But That's true. I personally do not think that there is intelligent life out there that will be disagreed upon by many other people, but that's okay. That's just the way I think. I would love there to be, though. Oh, that would be so cool. It'd be crazy. It'd it would just be crazy. like Xenon. Cetus Cetus. <laughs> it would just be, it would be just like Xenon. Uh, so, okay, so for the last round of this episode, I have some really cool facts that Flo has not heard. Oh, yeah. And he was just making these insane surprised faces as he was researching them, and I wasn't allowed to look, but he was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Oh, All my right. gosh, this is crazy. All right. Europa is the sixth closest moon of Jupiter and is the smallest of the Galilean moons to be discovered by Galileo. That's why they're called Galilean moons. The other Galilean moons are Io Ganymede and Callisto, both of which were on our list of possible wet planets. <laughs> um, and even though it's the smallest of the Galilean moons, Europa is still the sixth largest of the 181 moons in our solar system. It's the largest? It's the sixth largest. The, who's Ganymede, the largest? I think Ganymede would be the largest. Okay. Actually. Well, sixth place doesn't sound that hot. Ganymede is Jupiter's largest, but I actually don't know in comparison to the whole. Anyway. Okay, that was a good one. Hit Fun me with fact. another one. All right. Europa was officially discovered on January 8th, 1610, but Galileo may have actually discovered the moon the day before on January 7th. He was using a low-powered telescope and couldn't actually distinguish Europa from the other Galilean moons, uh, specifically Io, but then he did the next day. Go Galileo. He worked so hard. <laughs> And then we named a mission after him and then went and go checked it out. Yeah. All right. The discovery of Europa and the other Galilean moons led to the discovery of the sun-centered solar system. That's bomb. That is really bomb. That's so sick. Look forward to our episode on Galileo. He was persecuted Galileo. like crazy. All right. This one's fun. Okay. That was really cool. The sun. Man, Galileo. I can't wait to do an episode about him. Europa is the smoothest object in our solar system. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he is the smoothest. He is. Um, he. I mean, Europa. It. it ends up with an A. It must be a woman. Oh, she. She. Yes, she. She's a smooth gal. That is cool. And it's got like this rust color on it. If you look at images of Europa, mm. if you if you want, go ahead and click on the link to this episode. It'll take you straight to the blog post that we wrote all about this. You'll see these images of Europa. And if you haven't seen the new Star Wars movie, or if you have, rather, it's kind of like that red planet with the salt on it where... Uh, when he moves his foot, it, like, puts a red streak on the floor because all the salt moves. That's how I imagine Europa being. Very, very cool. Very white and red and kind of very awesome. Yeah, it's really cool looking. Next fact. Europa is about 4.5 billion years old, but its surface is only about 20 to 180 million years old. That <gasps> sounds like a big window, 20 to 880 million, but in comparison to 4.5 billion, it is nothing. I have no idea why. But that's the way it is. Nice. Yeah. 
oh, remember when we talked about the radiation and how it's like crazy? Yeah. yeah. It's enough on Europa to kill a human being in one day. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's really intense. That's not good at all. Speaking of one day, one day on Europa lasts as long as one year on Europa. How is that possible? Because, okay, so a day is how long it takes for Earth or any celestial body to rotate on its axis once. Right. Right. So we get like the full sun cycle, right? It goes up and down. And a year is how long it takes it to revolve around the sun. So Europa's year is actually dependent on Jupiter. So the time it takes for it to rotate on its axis is actually the same as it takes for it to revolve or orbit around Jupiter. And there's something we, we, there's a name for that. It's called being tidally locked. That's what our, our moon is to us. So a day on the moon is actually the same as a year on the moon because we, we only see, we always see the same side of the moon, which means that it's tidally locked, which means that it's, it's rotating at the same rate that it's revolving. Very cool. Very cool. Was that the one that you were freaking out about? Yeah, that nice. one is awesome. And it's the equivalent of three and a half Earth days. Wow. Yeah. Nice fun facts, Tony. Thank Good you. I choice. worked really, really hard on I this. I know you did. I was watching you type away. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, episode all about the Europa Clipper. We hope that you learned a bunch. We know we did. Uh, keep your eyes out for episodes about what India and Bobak Ferdozi are doing to watch the climate and for an episode on Galileo. Ooh. And operator. No. <laughs> If you want to see any more photos from Yuri's night or any more updates, please follow us on social media at Space But Messier. Also, you can now check us out on Spotify. Way easier. Yes, you can check us out on Spotify. We've officially been added to Google Play and Stitcher. So if those are better for you as well, that'd be awesome. And lastly, I know we do this every time, but we had a blast at Yuri's night. We learned so much. We met so many people in the space industry and we want to do it again for you guys. There's an event in May. If you guys can make it out, then absolutely do. It's called the International Space Development Conference, and it's put on by the National Space Society. But tickets are like hundreds of dollars. Um, Flo and I really, really want to go represent Space But Messier. If you guys want to sponsor us, then please go to www.spacebutmessier.com, and there'll be a link to support us on Patreon. We would be so humbled if you guys would do this, even if it's just one dollar a month if all of our listeners donated one dollar a month we would have enough to go um, so please consider supporting us and sponsoring us for that and, and you'll get to reap all the benefits of course with the episodes to follow um, but like she said follow us on instagram keep up to date with us and we will see you guys next time mm-hmm. thank you again so much for listening and i hope you had a good time and join us as we set sail for the moons Ooh, good one. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Tranquility base here. The Eagle has landed. Roger, Tranquility. We copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. That was definitely an e-ticket.